0: You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Um, I'm in Missouri. I'm in Farmington, Missouri. It's about an hour south of St. Louis. And um, I always say it is a lovely little country town. If, if you like golf, there's a lot of golf courses. As a matter of fact, there's a golf course right there um, next to me. And there's another golf course right there behind me. And <laughs> then there's another golf course uh, less than a mile away, or maybe about a mile away. Um, but if you like golf and if you like wine, this is the place to be. <laughs> Farmington, Missouri is the fourth fastest growing city in Missouri. I love being a part of this community. Um, also, I don't drink, <laughs> but the wineries are great. If you don't have a problem with alcohol, you should enjoy that. All right, so um, what is a lukewarm Christian? So let's go ahead and let me introduce myself just in case you are new to my ministry. We got california winnipeg minnesota good morning good morning good morning yeah type in where you're coming in where you're checking in from Uh, my name is matt mcmillan i'm a christian author i've written seven books i uh wrote my first book eight years ago So, as a matter of fact, it was just this month. It was the eight-year anniversary, True Purpose in Jesus Christ, back when I had hair and my goatee was still red. (laughs) So, um, that was my first book. I've written six more after that. If you want to check out any of my books, be sure to go to Amazon. All my books are available on paperback and Kindle. I might re-release them on hardcover. I did have a plan to do that, but I don't know if I'm going to uh, because of some of the feedback on the actual hardcovers. Uh, the quality of it, which uh, Amazon produces. We'll see. But either way, you can read the books. If you've read the books, please go back and leave me a review. Um, those are very encouraging to me. Now, I I don't need you to buy my books, okay? I, I'll just say that. I don't make enough money off my books to even <laughs> um, keep my website up. <laughs> so you could be a best-selling author, and if you're not selling the amount of books that, you know, J.K. Rowling, Stephen King uh, Grisham, whoever, that's the people who get rich off books. My books, I just want to help you understand who Jesus is and who you are and who you are together. I have a full-time job. I'm a business owner. The name of my company is alarm security. That's why you see this on everything. (laughs) So when I get accused of you're just trying to sell books, look, I'm not don't buy them. I don't care. But if you want to know more about what I talk about, check them out. All right. Now, I also have a podcast. I'm recording the latest episode. Hi, hey, hey, hey. I'm recording the latest episode live here on Instagram. I always appreciate this live audience. It's very encouraging to me. But if I was doing this just with my phone, I would still do it. (laughs) And I would still put it on my podcast, okay? So um, I take the audio from this, put it on my podcast. So I'm close to 250 episodes now. I'm coming up on three years of doing this little thing called Walk Talks so check out my podcast walk talks with matt mcmillan it's available on every major podcast platform if you're a podcast listener check it out i think i can help you out i'm also on youtube go to my youtube channel you can search anything i've done a walk talk on any topic you're struggling with bible verse maybe you keep hearing something in church and you're like that does not sit right with me (laughs) well it probably doesn't sit right with me either (laughs) so go to my youtube channel search that topic I think I can help you out. All right. Uh, While you're on YouTube, give me a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button. And if you want to be notified when I release a new Walk Talk, hit the bell button. All right. Also, I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. I have no formal theological training. This ideology of having to have formal theological training did not even begin until the 16th century. And it was a competition between the Catholics and the Protestants to see who can get smarter. (laughs) And here we have it. So what did they do before formal theological training? How did anybody learn anything about Jesus? The same as today, the spirit. And he lives in you. He lives in me. And we're all learning and growing in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is and who we are. Okay? So you don't have to have this title of pastor in the bible the word pastor is only used once in the new testament epistles we see no qualifications we see no authority they never give a sermon they're not in charge of anything so we think what we think about this word pastor because of what's called man-made tradition because daddy's done it for so long and granddaddy did it and great great you're just saying we shouldn't do this we've been doing it like this for so long mcmillan you're wrong Well, you know what (laughs) judaism was around for 1500 years before the early church guess what they had to go through we're dealing with the same thing today as the modern church the ecclesia as we deal with these extreme egregious errors of a king in the church named pastor (laughs) while everybody just watches the back of somebody else's head and then pays some money and goes home and has you know their pot roast (laughs) watches the football game takes a nap and then gets up and goes to work that's not body life The ecclesia has been snuffed out the ecclesia is the church we are a living organism okay so i say this in my introduction because i want to help renew your mind that you know everything you need to know right now because you've trusted in jesus okay (laughs) all right now if you want to contact me please do not message me on social media i don't interact with those most of those go to spam but you can still contact me to contact me go to my website mattmcmillan.com. That's www.mattmcmillen.com. Go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. I'll get an email. I sit down every day or two. I check those. And uh, if I want to respond, I will. If I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't have to have every answer for you. I've got lots of answers. <laughs> but there comes a point where I have to just ignore the same message from the same people And just let the spirit do what he needs to do in their mind. Okay. Um, I don't know everything. Okay. I don't know everything. I know some ministries, you'll never hear them say that. And sometimes I might be wrong. Jesus didn't say they will know you because you have a master's of linguistics, a radio call-in show, a bunch of books, and you have all of these seminary degrees on the background of your TikTok, and you are just super eloquent. You could straight everybody out, and you could say, okay, let's hear it. And then you can just dominate everybody with what you know, and you can make fun of them. That's how they will know you. No. He says they will know you by your love. So if you truly want to be able to express Christ express love. So that's what I hope you get from my walk talks. <laughs> I don't know everything. I'm here to point you back to who Jesus is and who you are. Okay. Oh, also while you're on my website, sign up for my free daily devotional, go to the free newsletter tab. I'll be glad to send you. Oh, I will send you a daily devotional once a day. I don't spam you. I don't sell your information. It just comes in your inbox early every morning. All right, so let's get to today's SWAT talk. What is a lukewarm Christian? Okay, now, I have done stuff in the past on the passage from Revelation 3.16. Okay, so from the beginning, if you prefer to read more about this when I'm finished, go to my website, type in spit you out or a lukewarm christian i've got more content on this okay but today i am going to talk about what a lukewarm christian actually is because i've never done uh any devotional uh, any devotional on what is a lukewarm christian i've just talked about will god spit you out okay so when i talk about this today i'm actually going to describe what a lukewarm christian is because the popular message out there is erroneous. Here's how Revelation 3.16 is typically preached. You're not doing enough. You're lazy. Or you're not doing it properly. God's going to spew you out. You are a lukewarm Christian. Or I seen a TikTok the other day by a very famous pastor who was in one state He got ran out of that state, went to another state, started another church. He's still preaching the same message. It is just, it's so anti-gospel. I'm not going to say his name because I'm not like that, but he was one of the (laughs) individuals who inspired me to do this because just because somebody is very good at oration does not mean that what they're saying is the truth. And some pastors are very, very good at oration, but they spew error. Now, here's what he said. He said, Revelation 3.16 is Jesus not liking the fact that you are a cultural Christian. Your parents got you baptized when you were little. You you showed up every once in a while, but they didn't pray in the house. They didn't read their Bible. And it is fashionable to be a cultural Christian, a cultural Christian. Jesus will spew you out. Now, if you're just sitting in the crowd, listening to this individual, you might take that as the truth. I mean, after all, he's on stage. He's really good at oration. Clearly, people uh, do what he says in this edifice, but it's error. This is more of like a cult than the actual body of Christ. When a cult leader begins to push a message onto a group of people, they believe it. (laughs) And this is, this, this facility, I'm not saying everybody's unbelievers or that he's not a believer. I'm saying it has the trappings of, you know, David Koresh (laughs) has the trapping of the guy who made everybody drink the Kool-Aid. It's, it's teaching something in a very um, Hitler style way, but teaching error. So There is no context for Revelation chapter 3 about being about cultural Christianity. This is that person's way of getting you to behave in his tribe. He's the tribe leader. You're under him and you're under under people who are under under people, (laughs) okay? Jesus said it will not be like this among you. Matthew chapter 20, Mark chapter 10 you will not lord over one another. But yet we have people up on stage who teach doctrine, which is ultimately demonic because it's not based on context and it's pushed with um, authority and power based on that person's personality. This is why I would much rather hear somebody who is not a very good orator, orator, somebody who is very meek, somebody who... Uh, is not great at getting all of uh, their uh, presentation strong, but yet they understand the new covenant. People like Brad Robertson. Love that guy. He is so intelligent. But he's meek. (laughs) And I love that about him. You know, uh, Jeremiah Ryan, The Way Ministries. Very, and I'm not saying these guys aren't good orators. I'm saying their message is so authentic based on the gospel. Larry Ice, E-I-S-S, all of these new covenant teachers, who, um, Mike Adams, the, the Sunday show. So many people who understand the message about grace, but they express it. And the New Covenant in such a loving way it's inspiring for me because sometimes because uh, I'm a type A personality uh, growing up in and out of foster homes I was you know, the way I survived was fighting misbehaving it is something that I have to be extremely intentional about because my conscience is also trained by religious abuse so when I see somebody up on stage teaching revelation 3:15 through 17 and saying something that it's not we got we got to get we got to get this in order okay so what what is this all about revelation 3 so the the passage is Jesus says because you are neither hot nor cold you're lukewarm i'm going to spit you out i'm going to spew you out they'll say if we just go to revelation chapter 3 and we proof text this we we pull it out and we shake it in somebody's face and we say this is cultural christianity or this is you not doing enough or this is you doing it wrong we would be in severe error and and here's why first of all because this was not written in chapters and verses chapters were added in the 13th century verses were added in the 16th century so what does that matter because also in the 16th century, this movement started from a group called the Protestant Scholastics, where they would take a section of scripture, take another section of scripture from a different area, even another letter, and then build a doctrine. So the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. So you can't do that. So if you go to Revelation 3, 15 through 17, or just Revelation three sixteen, or Revelation 3, 15 and 16, because I'm going to talk about three seventeen today, because that's got a lot of the context in it, we would be in error we can create something that's scary (laughs) we can create something that's pressure filled and we know neither of those things are from god jesus said all the time don't be afraid even in the beginning of this letter in revelation he walked up to john put his hand on his shoulder and said hey don't be afraid that's the message about jesus don't be afraid Also, Jesus' message is not full of pressure. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So he's not going to go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, and put fear on you or pressure on you. That comes from man-made tradition. Demonic doctrine of men. And both Jesus warned against the tradition of men and Paul warned against the tradition of men. So we gotta get the tradition of men off the table, put the gospel back in the center. If we do that for what is a lukewarm Christian, it's very simple to see. So what is a lukewarm Christian? Get to it, Macmillan. To get the context, let's go back to chapter two. Even though this wasn't written in chapters and verses, and when you sit down and you read the whole book of Revelation, here's what you don't wanna do. You don't want to take any of this literally. Don't get me wrong. Hold on just a second. <laughs> All of it is true, but it's written in symbolism. That's why the letter starts out, this is a vision. So if you are reading something that is written in a vision, that means it is written in symbolism. Symbolism. The reason why Jesus made sure this was written in symbolism was so that you don't worry. All new covenant prophecy, which is that which is to come, is written symbolically so we don't live neurotic lives. Also, so you can't read the tea leaves. So when you read the book of Revelation, I've got trusted friends, they've got their opinions on it, and those are never hills that I will die on because that's their interpretation of it. And that's okay. This is my interpretation of it and that's okay. And the reason why is symbolic text is to be read symbolically. That's why he starts out saying it's a vision. People have been wrong about this letter for 2000 years, especially those who make a chart and a graph out of it or a timeline. And then the only way they can defend this is if they get angry. That's it. That's how you know somebody's just gone as far as they can. They'll get out of control. They'll call you names. They'll cut you off. (laughs) They'll call you whatever. So leave revelation in scripture, but read it with two things in mind. Number one, you do not have to be afraid if you've trusted in Jesus once in your lifetime by grace. Okay. Number two, there's no pressure coming from Jesus in this letter. This is a rebuke for the seven symbolic churches. So let's go back to Revelation chapter two. Here's the context of what a lukewarm Christian is. It is somebody who has abandoned Jesus in their actions and attitudes, in their minds. They have forgotten their first love. So does that mean they're not saved? No, that has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with you, Christian, have been saved. You have trusted in the Messiah. You are fully indwelt with his spirit. But you're doing things and also not doing things which are distasteful to the Messiah. He spews this type of stuff out. Right there, he said, I'll spew you out, Macmillan. Well, (laughs) again... Are you in his mouth? Oh, you're not in his mouth. Again, symbolism. You're in him. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, You are one spirit with the Lord. Colossians 3, 3 says, You have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. That's your supernatural location. That's your supernatural identity. So if he says he'll spew you out, what's he going to do? Spew you out? What? spew you out of his spirit, it makes no sense for a reason because there's nothing you could possibly do to get him to leave you or forsake you. There's nothing that you can do to leave him. Why? Because he has actually hidden you inside of himself. So if God has hidden you, who's going to find you to remove you? Who... Do you think a particular action that you can do would override what the cross has already done? If you do, (laughs) thinking pretty highly of yourself, and I think you should think highly of yourself, but not in this way. And if you think, oh no, that right there, that's a repeated fill in the blank, that will cause them to be spewed out. Hold on. Is that greater than the blood of Jesus? No, but their head explodes. (laughs) They cannot grasp this grace. They cannot grasp that they're completely forgiven because of the cross, just like they are. They cannot grasp that they are completely righteous because of the resurrection, just like they are. Then that's if they've trusted in Jesus. So we have to remove actions and attitudes to determine identity or salvation, because that doesn't work to get you saved. It doesn't work to keep you saved. This passage, this entire rebuke in Revelation is about purposefulness, not salvation. Your salvation is the life of Christ. Hebrews 7.25 says, because he, or Hebrews, that's, uh, john 14 19 because i live you also will live here i am jumping to different passages thinking about the same ones at the same time your life your salvation is jesus hebrews seven twenty five says he is able to save completely because you repent of your sins nope doesn't say that he is able to save completely because you did all this good stuff no, it doesn't say that Hebrews 7:25 says he is able to save completely because you stop that nasty wicked lifestyle. Nope. Here's what it says. Hebrews 7:25. He is able to save completely because he always lives. Your salvation is the life of Christ. You do not have the power as a created being to maintain your salvation by what you start or what you stop. If you think that, you might not be saved. I'm not saying you aren't, but if you've only thought that, (laughs) friend, repent. So the religious mindset will go to, oh, he's telling people to sin. You will never hear me tell people to sin. I will tell you, you could. but I don't tell you, you should. That's actually called licentiousness. And that's part of the rebuke that is happening in the previous chapter, Acts chapter two. So we see in Acts chapter two, there is this lady named Jezebel teaching people to commit sexual immorality. She is literally teaching people, you should sin, you should commit sexual immorality. And she says, you should also eat meat sacrificed to idols. That's licentiousness. And what was he saying? Jesus is saying, Stop doing this. <laughs> You've abandoned me in your, in your mind and your actions, your attitudes. You have forgotten about me. I saved you. Stop telling people to do these things. And what's also interesting, quick side note about this it's funny because in Acts chapter 2, Jezebel is a female and she's teaching. Now this would be the perfect opportunity for jesus to say a woman should not be teaching he doesn't say that <laughs> he corrects what she's teaching you should sin you should commit sexual acts you should eat this meat sacrificed to idols so it is the error that she's teaching which is wrong not the fact that she is a female teaching this is the exact same context for 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's not that a woman is teaching. It is what the woman is teaching. And another quick side note, side note, in Ephesus, which is where Timothy was, there was the Temple of Diana, also known as the Temple of Artemis. What was taught there? <laughs> Paganism. Greek mythology. Everything that comes along with what Artemis was teaching, such as you're, for, you're forbid from marriage. Artemis was born before her brother Apollo, and she turned around and helped her brother be born. If you dress up real fancy-like and you go to the temple and you pray to Artemis, also known as Diana, she will answer your prayers better. So dress modestly. You don't need to do that. So many things were happening in Ephesus. That's a whole other walk talk, and I've done one on that, a couple on that but it was what was being taught by these females who were trying to usurp Timothy, usurp the gospel. Paul is saying, don't permit a woman. So it looks like it is a particular woman attempting to teach something which is coming from the temple of Artemis. So you gotta go back to chapter one (laughs) because he is instructed to combat the myths coming from the temple of Artemis as well as the endless genealogies coming from the synagogue. All right, let's get back on track here. So Revelation chapter 3 is used quite often to say, you're not on fire for the Lord. You got to be on fire. So many emails I get. Matt, when I first got saved, I was really on fire for God. I was doing this. I had stopped that I was going there and everybody was just surprised and now I have lost my fire how do I get my fire back Matt am I gonna be spit out because I'm a lukewarm Christian well here's the reality according to Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 and 15 you can also be cold oh well I feel like I'm cold I'm not doing anything no that's lukewarm (laughs) so what you're talking about right now is purposefulness if you truly want to express purposefulness you can be hot or cold lukewarm serves no purpose this is how we know this is about purposefulness because hot serves a purpose cold serves a purpose lukewarm serves no purpose so when somebody says oh you gotta be on fire for the lord oh hold on you get to be you get to be cold for the lord (laughs) jesus says i wish you were hot or cold and again this is a rebuke because they had forgotten about their first love they had they had forgotten about jesus they've forgotten about the message and they're they're fat and they're lazy and they're rich and they're teaching licentiousness and all these bad things are happen happening and your lampstand is about to be removed lampstand is not about your salvation i'm gonna come back to the hot and cold put that put a pin on that for just a moment but let's go over to the lampstand deal because so many people are like oh right here revelation you will lose your legs about to remove your lampstand what does a lampstand do gives you light where you go you got the lampstand you're illuminating light it is your influence so if you're not expressing your purposefulness because you're not teaching the gospel or you're, you're saying, I, ha- I, am, I am living proof that God, you can't out give God. Look how rich I am. Look, I started writing that check every month and now I am wealthy. <laughs> Revelation 3, 3.17 says, you say you're rich and wealthy. Uh-uh-uh. Jesus corrects them. You're actually wretched, pitiful, Poor, blind, and naked. You say you don't need a thing? You do need a thing. You need to repent back towards your first love. You're going to have your lampstand removed, which represents your influence. And I honestly believe that's happening right now with today's box church. The modern church everywhere, a dime a dozen everywhere. Their influence is just being taken away. They don't want anything to do with this group of the ecclesia. They want a king in a church named Pastor. With a sub-authority. And then all you guys down here, you're the laity. Oh, yes, Lord, the laity. Bless me, Lord. Let me kiss your ring, Lord. All that mess started with the early church fathers. And, and then it really shot off with the Reformation. And now here we have it. We got a king in the church named Pastor. No biblical foundation for this. We completely ignore 1 Corinthians 11 through 14, which is the only section of Scripture that, that describes our gatherings. And what do we see? We see them eating a meal together and the mistakes that came along with everybody getting there first and eating everything up and not waiting on others. We see every member functioning. We see a body with many body parts, many members, no main member named pastor, (laughs) just a group. First Corinthians chapter 14 says, group participation is encouraged. I dare you to try to stand up and participate in the middle of the sermon today if you haven't gone to church and you're listening to this on the way to church or watching it, you will be removed. Brother Bob, who's packing a gat, he's the bodyguard. He will see you to the door. He's just looking for a reason to pull out his gat. Don't you dare interrupt, pastor. But yet, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, group participation is encouraged. So what does most of planet Earth see The modern church as the enemy, non-influential, money-hungry, behavior-focused. They're losing their influence. They're losing their lampstand. And that's what's happening in the book of Revelation. Jesus is rebuking them and he's saying, look, start telling people the gospel again. Go back to what you first learned. In the same way you were saved, now walk in it. How were you saved? By grace through faith. But we go to moralism. Not trusting the spirit for morality. We go to preaching principles. I got these five principles I've learned from this letter in this book of the Bible. There are no principles in the Bible. There is a person. You got principles, you could choose that. And Paul warns against that. Or you got the person of Christ you got to try harder you got to put god first well you can do that or you can rest harder according to hebrews 4:11 you can strive to enter rest and then you can realize that god put you first through jesus try harder or trust harder pick one our church picks try harder we got people who use their background for their entire ministry. I used to be a jailbird. Now I'm a preacher. Get up, take care of your body, do do good stuff. Be like me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him <laughs> repenting out of being in jail. That's great. <laughs> but the message is not about us trying to be like you. We don't have your personality. We don't need to be like you. We get to be us. So repent. Remember your first love. Go back to Jesus. Stop making the message about what you have stopped. It's great that you stopped. You sprinkle that in now and again. I don't care. But you have to repent. This is very difficult for me because I got a lot of stuff I can brag on (laughs) that I've changed. That's of the flesh. So if my main focus is to try to get you to behave like me, I would be forgetting about Jesus. If that's my main focus. Lampstands being removed. Purposefulness. Lukewarm Christians. And again, the word lukewarm Christian is not in the Bible. (laughs) It's not there. But if you read the context, these are Christians and they're lukewarm. So yeah, you could be a lukewarm Christian, but you're still saved. You're just not fulfilling your purposefulness because hot serves a purpose. Cold serves a purpose. So let's talk about that real quickly. How would hot serve a purpose? It's pretty simple. If I'm I'm cold right now, it's cold out here. If I go back to my house and I walk in the house and I have a hot cup of coffee that hot cup of coffee just warmed me up. It was purposeful. Would I go in there and would I drink a lukewarm cup of coffee? No. And I'm not going to drink coffee when I get back because I already had my pot of coffee. <laughs> but if I did, it would warm me up. It would serve a purpose. Now, let's say it is the middle of August out here and I am hot. I did this walk talk. I get back to the house. Am I going to go in there and am I going to have a hot cup of coffee? No, that's not going to serve the purpose. Am I going to have a lukewarm cup of coffee. Nope, that's not going to serve a purpose either. I'm probably going to have an ice cold glass of water. Cold water would serve a great purpose, and I would chug that. Very purposeful. It would cool me down. So cold serves a purpose. Hot serves a purpose. Lukewarm. No purpose whatsoever. So we, we have to move past this ideology as the body of Christ Of comparing what we are doing to others (laughs) because that is not that is not the context this in in a lot of circles it is you know somebody sent me a video this past weekend and and it was a competition (laughs) to see who could tithe the most and above the tithe they had people standing up if they had done a certain amount then they would be more on fire for the Lord. That is of the flesh. That is not of the spirit. And when I say of the flesh, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about that separate entity, worldly ways of getting your needs met, what you have been taken out of and then placed into Christ. You can walk that way. But if you walk that way, you are walking in a way which is not natural to you as a holy person. It would be the same and i use this example all the time if one of these cool looking hawks because there's hawks everywhere out here flew down and was in somebody's yard right here and they've got chickens there's chickens out here too i live in the country and this hawk is pecking around on the ground with these chickens you know i'd walk by and say well that's really weird because the hawks don't do that now is that hawk acting like a chicken causing it to be a chicken. No, it is walking like a chicken. So when we do things that are of the flesh, we are doing something that is not natural to us as holy people. We were washed. We were born, reborn, washed, justified, sanctified, we're new creations, we're holy, we're righteous. All of these good things about you. So if you're doing something such as trying to compete with other people to be more on fire. You are just doing something which is not natural. And ultimately that's lukewarm. (laughs) That's not purposeful. Being, expressing lukewarm actions and attitudes is doing something that is not purposeful. I'm gonna repeat that because that is just a huge bullet point. Attempting to do something To be on fire (laughs) is not being purposeful. Attempting to do something in order to earn or attain or to maintain is lukewarm. It is not purposeful. That's the context. A lukewarm Christian is somebody who is not expressing their purposefulness. It is somebody who has forgotten how they were saved. It is somebody who has been trapped by this man-made tradition, this religious system of the box church. Everybody doesn't like that around here. What am I supposed to do? Well, I guess you're gonna be alone in, in that area. <laughs> but in reality, you're never really alone. Where you go, there's four of you. You, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you're not alone. Think about the early church. Think about Paul. Paul was on the road to Damascus with papers to persecute the way. Satan, or excuse me, Satan was leading him at that time. (laughs) Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded him, gave him a whole new mission. He still went to Damascus. You know, most people don't point that out. Paul was on the road to Damascus, yes. But once he got his sight back, he still went to Damascus. But what happened at Damascus? The religious people wanted to kill him. So they went from loving him. Oh, yeah, yeah, Paul's here. Get these people out of here. These blasphemers who say this, Jesus from Nazareth, we killed him. Paul's on the way. You better get out of here. No, he still came to Damascus. (laughs) Still went to the synagogue. Only he was now preaching Jesus and what happened the religious institution wanted to kill him he had to be lowered down the city wall in a basket to escape so if you finally understand this message about jesus and you feel attacked by your local community or online or whatever you're in good company (laughs) if you're if you're truly standing on the reality of you are completely forgiven past present and future sins because all your sins were in the future when christ died for them and he will not die again standing on that expect persecution expect people to say you're telling people to sin if you're standing on the fact that you are righteous christ became sin so that you could become righteous a divine trade-off you got that he got that And if somebody says, Oh, there's not one righteous, and then they attack you because you tell people you're righteous, or they compartmentalize it, or they say it's as if, or it's heavenly bookkeeping, and you are just persecuted, you're in good company. The only defense that they will have is to take Bible verses describing unbelievers and then applying it to a believer. This started in the garden, (laughs) there was no scripture. But Satan was already trying to get them to doubt the words of God. Did God not say? Oh, you'll be more like him, you'll know good from evil. Same thing today. You're not righteous. <laughs> I know about you. I heard everything. Your reputation precedes you, Macmillan. Well, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> because the religious system with the cult-like leader, with the cult-like followers with the Christian hat on it, they do not like this message about Jesus. Because you better get in line. You better behave. You better do, do. It's the do, do gospel. And all it is is absolute shh, crap. (laughs) And some people say, oh no, this is not about your salvation. I agree with you, McMillan. Revelation chapter three, the lukewarm Christians, these are the people who Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you they had their salvation but they lost it and then they'll go over to Matthew chapter 7. So and I talked about this in the beginning that's called proof texting when you take a passage out and again it wasn't written in chapters and verses neither was Matthew and then you you take this section of scripture and you go over there and you take that and you mash it together the reality is Matthew chapter 7 is describing people who said Jesus is not the Messiah They'll just go to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, but they don't read the whole chapter. The whole chapter describes, these are people who who say, Jesus is not the Messiah. So if you truly want to know what a false prophet is, it is people who say, Jesus is not the Messiah. So the next time you call somebody a false prophet, because their theology doesn't match up to yours like a puzzle piece, you would be in error, my friend. They're not a false prophet. They just don't agree with your theology exactly. But do you guys both believe that Jesus is the Messiah? The Messiah, not a Messiah. You know, Islam will they'll try to be sneaky right there. They'll say, no, we say Jesus is a Messiah. <laughs> See what they do? But they don't say he is the Messiah. But if somebody says Jesus is not the Messiah, that is a definition of a false prophet. This is not somebody that's going to be spew out. Jesus doesn't say anything about being spewed out. This is not symbolism for purposefulness because you've forgotten your first love, Jesus. So this, this uh, theology of Matthew chapter seven saying, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you because you're a lukewarm Christian, that's error. Jesus will never say that to you. He, he To them, he says, I never knew you. Workers of lawlessness, two things there, never means never. You know, for us in John chapter 10, he says, "I know my sheep; my sheep know me." Never means never. So that's not somebody who knew him then doesn't know him anymore. And also workers of lawlessness. So why would he say that? Oh, that's somebody who's just doing a bunch of bad stuff and breaking the law and sleeping around, and doing a little dance in the club, smoking and drinking and blah blah. It's actually people who were looking to their behavior for righteousness. lawlessness that's the law of moses it's not nebulous it's defined 613 different ways to sin 10 of which are the 10 commandments and the the actual requirement if you want to follow the law jesus tells us in matthew 5 48 be perfect like god you're not doing that And you say, I'm not the Messiah. I never knew you depart from me. I never knew you worker of lawlessness. Okay. It's not you. Matthew chapter seven is describing a tree. Christians are never described as trees. We are described as branches. Everybody who wanted to follow the law was described as a tree because they would be known by their fruit Oh, he's really obeying the commandments and the law. Look how wealthy and healthy and blessed beyond measure he is. Even hearing that at first, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, according to the old covenant, it was a trade-off system. If you did this, God did this. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, I will bless you with great health and wealth if you obey the commandments. So when you saw somebody who had a lot of cattle, a lot of land, a lot of children, great health. (laughs) Well, they're doing a great job. They are showing fruit. This is why the psalmists say, "A tree planted by still water will produce much fruit." Because they delight in the law, we do not delight in the law. Second Corinthians chapter three says that is a ministry of death and condemnation. Second Corinthians chapter three also says we are not even competent to preach the law; that we are only competent to preach the new covenant. But yet we want to mix in law. Oh, I have a little bit of the law. <laughs> okay, then we want a little bit of death and condemnation. We want a little bit of lawlessness. How will we know what to do? How will we know how to behave? The spirit. The spirit is older than the law. The law is only 3,500 years old. How do you think people knew? Don't cheat on your spouse before the law was written. How do you think people knew? Don't lie before the law was written. The spirit. So, you have to repent from the law, trust the Spirit. The Spirit will not lead you into any type of immorality. You choose immorality when you are doing something which is not of faith. You don't need the law, (laughs) you got the Spirit. Stop just taking advantage of Jesus for his blood that forgave you and ignoring his Spirit for morality. The next time you do the thing, (laughs) don't go to the commandments. Talk to the spirit. He's in here. He wants to guide you out of that. And he'll do it with no condemnation. Let's talk about rewards. Because many people will say Revelation 3.16 is about getting less rewards in heaven. So when I show up, I'm going to look over here and I'm going to see Billy Graham God I love Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham. <laughs> I'm friends with his kids and his grandkids. I've got nothing against him. But many people see the old clips of Billy Graham. Many people think of Billy Graham as this superstar of heavenly rewards. So if you show up to heaven, you didn't do enough stuff. <laughs> Billy Graham did a bunch of stuff. Look at his mansion. You ain't going to get that. You're over there. You get that apartment. Matter of fact, you're down there in the heavenly slums. Get out of here. Do do you see how that's error? That would mean that that grace ends when you die. (laughs) There's no reward ceremony. The parable of the vineyard workers (laughs) describes how we are rewarded. If you go to Matthew chapter 20, you will see there's a vineyard owner. He hires people in the beginning of the day. He says, I'm going to pay you this much. Get to work. You good with that? Okay. Then people start out working beginning of the day. You agreed to it, right? Okay. Go work. Middle of the day, people show up. He says, I'm going to pay you this much. If you get to work, are you good with that? Yep. Okay, great. And then people show up at the very end of the day. <laughs> they don't work that long and they don't do that much. And then at the end of the day, they all line up to get paid. And guess what? Because the vineyard owner is so generous, he pays them all the same. Well, the people who started out in the beginning of the day, they grumbled. They're like, why are they getting more than me? Did you not agree to that? You did. So, got a little triggered right there. (laughs) You are not going to be rewarded according to what you have done. Paul even tells the Corinthians this. You are going to be rewarded according to what Christ has done. You will be rewarded according to what you've done. So if you have sinned, you're going to be rewarded according to sin. But yet, if you've trusted in Jesus, what has Jesus done with those sins? Taking them all away. So here's what's going to happen on your judgment day. Jesus is going to represent you completely. You're going to be rewarded according to what he has done. Paul calls this in Colossians chapter 3, the reward of the inheritance. How do you receive a reward from an inheritance? You work harder? No. (laughs) Your rich relative has to die. Once they died, you received the full reward of that inheritance. You didn't do anything. You just received it. Well, guess what? Jesus died. You received the full reward of the inheritance now. Not later, but now. The only thing that's happening right now is you are still in this physical shell. This is going to end. If you live a hundred years, that's still not very long compared to the reward of the inheritance and enjoying that reward forever. So if you think that Revelation chapter three is about you, just, I'm just going to get less stuff when I show up. Oh, I didn't do enough. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just didn't get the stuff. I just got this little bitty bag of gold. And then we, go, <laughs> then we go over to the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is not a reward system based on what you have done. This is reward according to the law. If you want to be rewarded this way, Jesus is saying, which one are you? Are you sure? <laughs> it's a crapshoot. God does not reward you based on what you've done. There, you know, I've even got some friends who see this as this is you being rewarded according to what you've invested in the gospel that's still being recorded according, rewarded according to what you've done that is error friend <laughs> love you but this is a crapshoot, this is Jesus saying are you sure it's enough are you sure <laughs> do you want that, do you want that type of reward system or do you want to be rewarded the same as everybody else if you want to be rewarded the same as everybody else, trust me. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Oh. Purposefulness is the context. That's the context. What is a lukewarm Christian? According to Scripture, it is somebody who has lost sight of how they were first saved it is somebody who has lost sight of who they are it is somebody who has lost sight of who lives in them it is somebody who has lost sight of the gospel there's so many distractions it is distasteful repent get your lampstand back (laughs) Or get your lampstand brighter. How do you do that? How do you become purposeful, more purposeful? You know, maybe, you know, you 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 logged into this live. There's a lot of people watching this live today, which I always appreciate. But maybe you're like, I'm going to watch that live today because I am afraid that I am lukewarm and I'm going to be spit out because I'm doing this or I'm not doing that. And I'm going to lose my salvation. And he's going to say, depart from me. But now I know that's not true. It's about purposefulness. How do I get my purposefulness back? (laughs) It's simple, friend. Remember Jesus. What does that look like? Remember how forgiven you are. Remember how righteous you are express the fruit of the spirit. Purposefulness comes by expressing the fruit of the spirit. You know, We don't even produce fruit. You know, so many people are like, I'm gonna produce seven of the nine of the fruit of the spirit today. I only did five yesterday. I'm gonna do nine. I'm gonna try real hard to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, I didn't produce goodness. I wasn't under self-control. That's effort. (laughs) Repent. I am going to trust Jesus I'm not going to focus on producing any of this stuff. I'm going to be. Oh, that sounds lazy. Well, let's see how it looks without it. Do you think Jesus is lazy? Is the spirit within you inactive? <laughs> no, he's very active. But sometimes the activity that he wants you to express is resting. Sit still, McMillan. <laughs> that's enough, McMillan. You've done enough today. Go to bed. Stop reading. Stop watching. Stop listening. Just let your mind relax and watch Dateline, would you? <laughs> Me? I, that's the, that. You. You. Once you understand that purposefulness is expressed in its most authentic way. Through resting, you will organically produce the fruit of the Spirit. That is how you get your purposefulness back. Rest harder. Do how the author of Hebrews is telling the Hebrew people's people to do. God rested from his work. Now you need to rest from your work. Strive to enter that rest. Hebrews 4 10 and 11. God rested. Why won't you? oh this just seems lazy i don't know what to do their head explodes (laughs) i use that twice in one walk talk i apologize but when people don't grasp this or they they think i'm saying don't do anything it's difficult to understand but i'm saying work hard at resting work hard at expressing yourself (laughs) don't judge or condemn people In John chapter 12, Jesus said, I have not come to judge. (laughs) That's hard. Now, he did tell the Pharisees, judge correctly. Why was he saying that? He was talking about himself. Who do you say I am? But for the world, John chapter 12, verse 47, he says, I have not come to judge the world. I have not come to judge the world. I have not come to judge. This is Jesus. (laughs) So if you want your purposefulness back, stop judging people. I can't hang out with them because I'll be condoning sin. Well, (laughs) how would that mean that anytime you you hang out with anybody, you're condoning sin. That would mean nobody can hang out with anybody. (laughs) The world already stands judged because of unbelief. So why do you need to start judging people? Oh, they need to repent of their sins. What about yours? Oh, I'm doing it. Are you sure? Comparison game. So if you want to get your purposefulness, stop judging people. Jesus didn't come to judge, so you shouldn't be judging people. Love them. Also, stop condemning people. So often we want to hand select certain groups and certain people and certain behaviors and say, no, they are condemned. Whew. But Jesus said in John chapter three, I have not come to condemn, but to save. So if Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save, what gives you the right to condemn? You have no right. Your only ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. That is the only ministry that God has entrusted to you. What is the ministry of reconciliation? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is God making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. We persuade others with the love of Christ. Do you want to persuade others? Do you want to make an appeal to be reconciled with God? Being reconciled with God is not changing your behavior. It is changing your belief system. You have to, you have to realize that. Repent toward your first love because God spits this stuff out. Remember how you were saved, who you were saved through, and now who you are. A lukewarm Christian is somebody who has forgotten about Jesus. Still saved, just a dull knife still saved clanging cymbal still saved but saying I tithe and I fast I'm so glad you didn't make me like this nasty sinner repent trust Jesus You've already trusted him for salvation. If you haven't trusted him for salvation, today's your day of salvation. (laughs) Trust him today. Do you trust him? You're saved. (laughs) Oh, that's too easy. Are you sure you're saved? (laughs) So what is a lukewarm Christian? Somebody who's forgotten about Jesus, but they are still saved. What can you do to be purposeful? How do you get your purpose back? Be hot. (laughs) Be cold. Be yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. You're still saved. You're good to go. Let's just get your mind refocused back on the one who saved you. That way you can be more influential with your lampstand, with the message. The only message we are competent to preach, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is the new covenant. What is the new covenant? Jesus. All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light. Maybe some error. Maybe some truth but you should always tell the truth about yourself what's the truth you're righteous you're holy you're blameless you're a new creation you're you're a child of god thank you there's nothing wrong with you and you are awesome lukewarm mixture yep that's lukewarm too you don't want to mix law with grace that's very lukewarm (laughs) the laodiceans (laughs) Real quickly, the Laodiceans were pumping in hot and cold water, so they knew full well this message. (laughs) Lukewarm is no good. (laughs) So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this walk talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.